Seven minutes past five, uh, big life conversation with you right through till six o'clock. Quick check of our check, even a check, not a check, <laughs> a check of our the weather. <laughs> the chicks will check the weather now. 13.2 degrees here in the city. We are expecting a maximum of 15 degrees and a cool overnight of five degrees. And uh, I had wonderful experience coming to the studio today catching up with someone a good friend we haven't seen for a long time the lovely Sharon McWilliams uh, who has joined us uh, for a couple of hours with some more beautiful music Sharon thank you so much and lovely to see you just like you two old friends lovely to see you too well, I don't mean old I mean as in you're old long standing long standing Jeez, I'm putting my foot in my mouth already. Yes. I've only been on air 30 seconds. Well, long and illustrious friendships. Yeah, long illustrious. friendship, yes. Long-lasting yeah, exactly. and youthful That's friendships. Right. Youthful <laughs> friendships. Here's How are you, lovelies? I'm doing really well. Doing well. Yeah. That's good. Keeping busy. Keeping busy. And um, I don't know about you, but... What I noticed last week, because we just did a check of the weather, is how beautiful it was and how, because I've been up in Gippsland and uh, it's it's almost like spring has sprung a little early. Uh, or I don't know what's going on. It's lovely, but is it a worry because climate change? Mm, exactly. Mm. I have a friend, Jacinta, and my other friend, Jacinta, it's Barbara here, um, who listens in often to the show. Hello, Jacinta, if you are listening in, and she was telling me she lives in Queensland, in Brisbane, and it's been really pleasant, but she's getting nervous about summer because yeah. it's yeah. very warm for winter. Very, very, very yeah, very it is, I think so, and that, those sort of warnings are coming through from uh, the experts all over at the, the moment. Well, it's something like 48 years or unprecedented temperatures for July. Mm. So um, over in general, 10 degrees over our base, well, our base temperatures. And uh, whilst we love a bit of sunshine during the winter, it has been exceptionally mild. And yes, it makes us wonder what's going to go on for the summer and whether or not we might get a little bit of that heat wave and therefore fires and all of the nastiness mm. that comes mm. with that. Now, I know that can go in cycles anyway, but uh, mm. uh, it's not a usual pattern, this one. No, and the warnings are out there for it. And it, it is it is very much a worry. I felt guilty actually last week going, well, isn't the sunshine beautiful mm. and the balmy weather, even up where I was, where it's you know, historically yes, very cold. Same, same even in a few months' time. Yeah, so mm. I think it's, it's yes, we're sort of in for some interesting times there. Um, but aside from the weather, we've got some, a great show. We're here till six o'clock, ten past four at the moment. We've got some good music and, of course, as always, lovely guests. We do. We, we do. do indeed. First up, I think we have Barbara, entertainment-wise. We have, um, <coughs> excuse me, acclaimed director uh, Sue Thompson, who is responsible for many interesting films, one of them being um, one that came out last year, actually, uh, um, Undercover, The Hidden Faces of Homelessness. It's a documentary. Mm. And it is National Homelessness Week, week. this week. Yes. It's also, I think, a National Loneliness Week this yes. week. So I guess the two can often combine, can't yeah, they? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. It's quite linked, I would imagine. Sadly. So anyway, but the city of Bandara is actually showing up um, down at the Luna Cinema has arranged for a screening of the, this documentary, free screening at 6pm this Wednesday, the 9th of August. Um, that's showing in a number of places, actually. But um, and there is a homelessness um, support person at um, the, the council, which is helpful to know. Um, anyway, but Sue will be talking to us about that. And what's particularly interesting about this film, apart from the disturbing stories um, that uh, some of these people have uh, been living, is that Margot Robbie is narrating 
So that makes it, gives it a bit of an interesting oh. sort of uh, twist as well. Right, yeah. Mm. And of course, Margot Robbie, many of us know um, from um, a lot of films lately, but of Barbie. course, Barbie, which is breaking box office records on a lighter note. That's Absolutely. Right. And upsetting some men. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? Girl power. What's going on? There's some interesting segues around that Barbie uh, show that people are sort of having Barbie-esque events and Barbie-esque kind of information sessions. I actually did a yoga session on the weekend and we were doing Barbie tiptoeing as part of the stretching the legs. So we were like doing every pose, but, you know, let's go on our tiptoes. That's what Barbie would do, but also how it strengthens the back of the legs. Yes. um, and just having a bit of a laugh of how she could never put her feet down, which, yeah. is, which is quite funny as well. But um, a nice one to have there as well. Um, it is also a in, uh, National Carers Day, I think, today. So oh, national, um, oh, people that, that are in care um, facilities or looking after yes. people in care facilities. So I think it's uh, oh, I the carers know. in um, uh, special homes and mm-hmm. aged care facilities yep. mm-hmm. uh, and so it's apparently their day today so a big call out to all of those wonderful people who are supporting uh, those that can't Indeed. Uh, so I think they do an amazing job for Certainly often job. a very little reward absolutely so I believe that is there today but uh, our second guest coming up at 510 is the wonderful friend of the show Cuppy Nambia yeah. from Nambia Hog Family Lawyers, mm. and um, it's been a long time between. Has. <laughs> I was just going to say we meant to have her on a lot earlier. We had a phone issue a couple of weeks back, and then mm. uh, I was on leave. So um, looking forward to speaking with her today. She's going to talk to us about superannuation and just some of the complexities from a family law perspective around super um, and how it actually works, um, perhaps with separations and mm. uh, changes in family structures. So yeah. it'll be interesting to hear more about that. And and really a topic for everybody. Um, I had a little look at just a, a little snippet of history about the superannuation. Uh-huh. And it was interesting to me to note that back in the 80s, Super was usually limited to public servants and some white-collar employees of large corporations and it couldn't be transferred between different employers. And was so, it paid by the employer? Or was it, it was on something they had dropped in? Yeah, in yeah, 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 it was, was, I think. Okay, yeah, 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 that's right. But yeah. in 1992, the superannuation guarantee was introduced, mandatory 3% contribution rate uh, making lawyer, uh, employers make a contribution. That's under the Keating government. So, wasn't it? Yeah, it was mm. under the Keating government. So there's been some big changes to superannuation. Yeah, um, and it is a really important topic. And it as always, um, Cuppy gives us brilliant information and just the you know, is able to distill the concepts into something that we can clearly and easily understand. And um, you know, she's always got the the most relevant points for us. So. That's happening in our second hour. It is indeed. She's a uh, great little bit of um, good information there on topics that we don't often think about or um, mm. do a deep dive in. And so, yes, very good to, to have her coming up. Can I also mention some birthdays? Yes, sure. Please. Please. While we're just at the beginning of the show, uh, I'd like to uh, send birthday cheers to John, a uh, friend of the show, Ida John's son, who, another Leo, I just had a birthday yeah. on Saturday, yes. and my behind, here's John yes. in hot pursuit. So, happy <laughs> birthday to those two Leos, and yes, they've been partying around the town, <laughs> uh, I think, quite a bit. So, uh, anyway, I hope 
hope that they're enjoying themselves. I'm sure they are. Also, I'd like to send birthday cheers to my friend Diane, who has a birthday coming up this Saturday, and my friend Dora, her sister Angela, has a birthday this Saturday as well. So we're certainly in the thick of Leo time. It is. And my sister-in-law, Karen, it was her birthday earlier in the week last week uh, on the 4th. So happy birthday. Know, and Whitney Houston, um, it was sadly, of course, we're no longer with us, but she has a birthday around this time. And uh, Dan Fogelberg still very much with us, uh, fortunately, I believe. Uh, another musician who's um, got a birthday around this time. Absolutely. You know, I was just thinking when you said about the weekend and birthdays, it's really so much more fun when your birthday does land on a weekend. It, it makes it easier for, to celebrate, I think, doesn't it, with friends yeah. and family? Yes, I think Lots you're right. Fun. Let the otherwise. fun keep going yes. for us. We're going to be here for two hours, uh, 15 minutes past four. We've got all sorts of things coming up, um, not just our guests, but joke of the... I've been checking out jokes. <laughs> oh, they're sort yeah, of, I've been giving them too. I've just got to remember them. And, and also, we have to really we try, have to be careful not to offend people. Oh, this one. You have to be, you know, watch the sex the racist, the, yeah, yeah, the I've, I've done all that. I've put that lens all over the senses. Yes, right. I've, I've got some great jokes. It's sad to say, or maybe interesting to say, I was saying to my partner Joe the other night, so many of the good jokes are the dirty jokes. <laughs> like, yes. That reminds me of Dave Allen. My dad used to oh, watch yes. Dave oh, Allen yes. religiously uh, <laughs> and uh, loved his jokes. Yes, I know that some of those ones, when you look back historically, I know. they don't actually go yeah. down too well no, in our days. A risque. We'll keep it clean, sanitised <laughs> and, and just lovely. Uh, so stay with us for all of that. This is Big Life Conversation and we'll be back with more. Back with you on Big Life Conversation, the glass we're from the Foo Fighters. 21 minutes past four, Big Life Conversation. We are uh, about to have our first guest and we are very pleased to be speaking with Sue Thompson. She's an award-winning filmmaker, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, Barbara, uh, and she's deeply passionate about human rights and equality, so it will be a lovely, interesting chat to have with her. Looking forward to Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And uh, well done to City of Burundi. I have to say for um, putting this film on because apparently there's going to be some sort of panel afterwards, some sort of discussion, and uh, if people want to assist uh, in any way with uh, in terms of reducing the homelessness issue, um, you know they can they're welcome to make these suggestions. Or a bit, I gather, a bit uh, with time or with uh, financial support or whatever. But it's it's an important issue. And as I was saying to you just into the other day. Um, it's an issue that is across the board, even in the so-called uh, seemingly, uh, to all intents and purposes, affluent areas. Yeah. Homelessness is an issue. And I told you yeah, a few Absolutely. weeks back when I saw somebody um, on a Saturday night, freezing cold winter Saturday night, um, sleeping in a doorway in Glenfield Road in Malvern yeah. in a sleeping bag. So it's, uh, it's everywhere. Yeah, and it really shouldn't be happening in this country. No, it should not. And it seems to be mainly women, certainly women, women yeah. children, and also women um, in an older age group. Yeah, older age group. Yeah, yeah. that's right. I've definitely seen uh, people in their cars living around the city area Um, and I walked past about three just from the station across Latrobe Street into the building that I work in uh, every week and the issue often for us is that we actually can't get in the door sometimes Um, and so you have to move people on which is not a fun thing for any of us to do. But yes, uh, it's it's more of a, a bigger problem than than just that. Um, 
It is, and um, see that they, I'm going to really these people who have, have you seen these ads on television or in other places for the special sleeping bag sort of tent? Yeah, thing? yes. And I think, look, this is a really good idea, but it's just a Band-Aid, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it's a Band-Aid sort of It is. I've seen those and they do look do wonderful for people, I guess, who have no other option, but it mm. is a Band-Aid solution. Yeah. It's not fixing the problem. And, exactly. and the thing is, it takes so long. I mean, we've got this real issue with social housing at the That's moment, right. and because money has not, I mean, what we need to understand, I guess, in terms terms of governments, yes. they when they're in office, they need to do things. Mm. And then if things haven't been done for several years and you know someone else yes. gets in and then they're faced with it mm. but this is the stuff that we should be forecasting way way back and planning for it. It, it was already known that we that we had an issue with housing and then it was going to get worse. That's right. So, yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's not new news. It's That's not, not new news. It's been a problem for a while and... No, um, I know I've heard of people suggesting that maybe some of these empty office buildings, you know, with after COVID, a lot of people working from home now and people um, not needing to have, have these huge office spaces. You know, people suggesting maybe some of these can be converted. I mean, there are, there are some interesting creative solutions, but, um, yeah, it is, a, it is a, a terrible way. And particularly, I mean, our climate, we know winters in, in this um, um, this part of the world can be pretty brutal, but, I mean, in other parts of the world, they're even, they're even more hard to handle. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's disturbing. And as we know, if you don't have a stable home base that affects all aspects of your life of course it does um, if you particularly got children um, in terms of their education uh, as I say and it's like a it's like a vicious circle basically that it's very yeah. hard it can be very hard to break yeah absolutely yeah. It, it's not good at all um, and, and I guess re- related or perhaps linked to this in some way we were talking a little bit off air is this uh, report that's come out recently about homelessness uh, not homelessness we were just talking about that loneliness yes. as well so yes. um, and, and look it's really interesting there's there's few warnings about um, the impact and the effects of loneliness in Australia mm. and we've had a few public health campaigns but not much has been done to combat it yes. according to the professionals and interestingly enough this report that I was reading talked about the preconceptions that many of us hold which about about the sort of people who would experience loneliness yes. okay so such as the idea that someone who lives with immediate family or someone who has a partner is unlikely to ever to be lonely but that's not necessarily the not case at all. at all and it really is a widespread issue um, so we're sort of our understanding, I guess, of loneliness um, hopefully is set to change. Uh, we're getting more data and we're getting more attention paid to the rates of loneliness and the health and well-being consequences. So there's some new research. And the new research that actually came out today, as far as I can understand, found that one in six Australians report feeling severely lonely. Mm. And then it was drilled down to those aged 18 to 24. I think that's surprising. Most likely, Mm, yeah. Most likely to report feeling often or always lonely. And a lot of it they're blaming on the social media thing, aren't they? I mean, like, I've got five million friends on Facebook, but I haven't got anyone to talk to. I mean, in terms of something really serious and important in my life or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I thought thought that was quite disturbing. We need more of the old people's home for teenagers and old people's home. 
yes, for oh, kindergarten. Just amazing. And yeah. I know that that started a bit of a trend there yes. for a while, but I'm yeah. not sure how many are actually taking that up. Uh, no. Just for that loneliness factor when people are older. Mm. Um, and they had everyone from, you know, well, they had the teens, but they had everyone from sort of um, really the 60s upwards. And yes. um, just noting that how wonderful it is to connect with other people. Exactly. A, people that were in their sort of age bracket, but also um, younger people and, and just keeping fresh and, you know, having purpose and meaning, I think, is a really important thing. So I bring bring more of that on. Oh, well, it really so. is. And, and we do know that the data that they gathered from those um, shows that they had on the ABC... Has been was stunning in terms of not just loneliness but the health and well-being you know yes, benefits exactly. for both groups. Yeah, exactly. So there, there's so much, and, and you reminded me about that, Nicole. I'd forgotten about that, but I remember at the time them sharing all the data they had, and it was just you know really really incredible. And it was just a joy to watch oh, as well. It was, oh, it was just amazing. Exactly. Stuff. Very, so very beautiful. So. Mm. I think that someone's tapped into that um, just very quick. I might mention the Melbourne Theatre Company's got a season extended to the 26th of August of a new play and some musical, and it's just called Bloom, and it's about young uni students who are working in. A, an aged care home and apparently it's supposed to be really well done I think Tom Gleisner has something to do with writing it um, yes yep, Frankie J. Holden yes. yeah, Frankie J. Holden's in it um, and also the wonderful wow. Evelyn Crape uh, Maria Massey so it's a great cast and uh, it's again it's about the, the different generations coming together and supporting each other sort yeah, of thing, so, yeah. yeah a nice Absolutely. philosophy so uh, a play that means something I like it mm, yeah. the message yeah should be more of it um Coming up to 4.30, we are shortly going to be speaking with our very first guest for the day, Sue Thompson, award-winning filmmaker. Stay with us for that. It's coming right up. Back with you on Big Life Conversation. We just heard from The Moving Stills with Westside. A nice boppy little track there. 28 minutes to 5 here. We're with you right through till 6. Uh, we welcome our first guest to the studio, Sue Thompson, award-winning filmmaker. Welcome to the show, Sue. Thanks for having me. So it's Barbara here. Thank you so much. And with Jacinta and Nicole, we know you've got a very busy week, uh, as per usual, probably this week in particular, because it's National Homelessness Week, as we did mention earlier. And um, this film, this baby of yours, which I think came out last year, is doing the rounds, and particularly at uh, the Lilo Cinema down the road from our studio in uh, Glenville Road in Hawthorne this Wednesday yeah. at, at 6 o'clock. So um, everyone's uh, obviously finding this uh, a particularly interesting and a pertinent film. And, and I just want to ask you a little bit about what inspired you to make it in the first place. Um, well, as a woman over 50 myself, I saw a uh, show on Insight on SBS where there were two women who'd worked their whole lives, one was a librarian and one was a teacher, and both of them, through various set of circumstances, relationship breakdowns and ill health, were living in their cars. Oh, dear. And I was so sort of shocked at that. I, I kind of feel like I didn't really think much about it, and this was at the beginning of 2019 and I thought it was a very worthwhile and important film to make and the terrible thing though that for me of making undercover is that here we are four years later nearly and the situation is actually worse than yes. it was when I started yeah. the film and that's quite shocking. Yeah, Exactly. Now you're making it then or did you have to sort of back off a little bit uh, during the, uh, when the pandemic was raging but the irony of the, of the pandemic in some ways was that a lot of homeless people found some shelter, didn't they? I mean, in um, hotels yeah, in Victoria, certainly in other parts of the, of the country. Yes, no, you're right. It was, very, it was a very interesting time. It certainly showed us that governments can fix 
the problem mm. in fact that reminds to it and exactly. that's what um, came out of the pandemic probably for me as a filmmaker what was complicated was I was making the film and I'd set up interviews or appointments and people would break them or oh. they were sick or they didn't want us to come in case we had COVID so oh yeah it was a very complicated film to make at that time certainly can I ask you, um, if you're allowed to, to tell me or tell us, um, Margot Robbie narrating, uh, did she donate her time? <laughs> Interesting. No, I'm not allowed to talk about that. Margot, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was in the contact. Margot Robbie's a very kind and generous woman, so yes. you can take from that what you would... Um, Thank you. Yes, I'm, I'm, we're big fans here. I'm yet to see the Barbie yeah. movie on a lighter note. But, um, yes, yeah, the, um, I, yes, that's I, the oh. fact that... To get someone of that calibre exactly. out of the project was extraordinary and she was really, you know, generous and committed. We had to do it all via Zoom, but, you know, yeah. we did it on Zoom and talked to her and she read the script and she made notes and she spoke to us about it and then we recorded it over Zoom while she was in the studio one day. It was, it was absolutely incredible and, yes, yeah, she was a very supportive person to have That's a wonderful. film, I have to say. Yeah. Well, she strikes, you as, as, strikes one as, a, as a, an intelligent, decent young woman and, as I say, lots of gifts and easy on the eye as well, but um, that was wonderful to, uh, <laughs> that was wonderful to have her um, involved. But it is such I a, know, amazing. It's great. And um, as you say, you're doing under difficult circumstances via Zoom. So these people who agreed to talk to you, um, we sort of we follow their stories, do we, um, like from how they got themselves into the situation? How, how do you go about um, describing it? Yeah, I suppose, you know, it's up to the... I tried not to impose too many of my own ideas. It was like you know, a lot of them are living in their cars or they own a car that they are saying, like one mind that says, oh, I love living in my van at the beginning of the film and then by the end of the film she tells you that she's not loving living in her van because she... And now I know for a fact that Margaret has done her back and she can't actually drive her van. Now the mm. only thing she owns in the entire world is that van, which, you know, mm. she doesn't... As she says... So I wanted to rent a house, I couldn't afford it. Yes. So for me, it was really the way they wanted to tell it. Often they were doing, you know, they were doing something while they were talking to me, like, you know, moving house or sitting in a car or driving a car or... But, um, yeah, it was... They share how it happened. Sometimes I would think it seemed a little bit confusing. You know, I'd think, well, hang on, how did you end up with no money whatsoever? Mm. But um, then, you know, we sort of keep digging at the story it comes out that sometimes they a lot of women at this age tend to rely on a male partner yes. and if they have been duped slightly oh dear. they did get to the point where literally they wake up one day and there was you know twenty dollars in the bank account oh no and um, I was going to ask you, uh, so these people, they obviously, they were prepared to, to talk and, and they're quite brave and generous with their time, I guess, to do that. Yeah, it was, I asked all of them, I make sure I do that because I know in case it does end up on telly or the yes. cinema, I say, now you know your family and friends, people might see this. Um, are you sure you want to do it and do you understand what this is about? And then I'd say, well, why would you want to talk to me? And they all would say, I have to say, all of the women, there's 11 in the film, all said because... We don't want this to happen to people we know, and we think it's time it stopped. Mm. You know, that mm. they had worked, most of them have worked their whole lives and yes. then found themselves unable to pay rent or a mortgage. Yes, which is, uh, seems really unfair. And also, um, as we know, for, for women um, who have often taken time out from the workforce to, to raise families and, uh, and certain women of a certain generation perhaps have uh, found themselves at a disadvantage perhaps not having very much superannuation um, 
um, you know, to rely on later on. And, and as you said, sometimes uh, being you know, the worst up because they've been supporting uh, partners through the marriage in one way or another and then find that they're left high and dry, the marriage breaks up for whatever reason they left, someone else is uh, their partner leaves them for somebody else or whatever it might be. But it, it seems to be particularly cruel when, uh, when, as I said, these women have been giving, giving and giving in, in so many ways throughout their lives to, to find themselves in these horrendous situations. I think that's what you just nailed it, and I think that's probably the heart of the film that it just there is a certain injustice with this, and that you know because of the you know inequality with the gender pay gap and yes. the fact that women weren't paid the same figure, and exactly. you know I know things are changing now, but these women are a certain generation exactly as you said. It, it was very difficult for them, and still is. You know because. We're talking about all in the 60s, you know, there's still a lot of them out there and we're an ageing population and this is just going to continue to happen unless the government steps in. Exactly. And so yeah. it's, it's also interesting just hearing about this. It's one of those real, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a very um, sensitive issue and it, it's really heartbreaking, but it's not something that's been in mainstream media. It's not something we hear about. It's one of the, you know, it's not a very sexy sort of thing to talk about, is it? And like these lots of things um, in, in our lives and our experiences, it's yeah. about getting it out there and, um, as you say, ultimately having government take some responsibility. So, did did that sort of? I mean, I know you said you didn't want to impose your views on the on the women at all, but you know, in terms of some of the thoughts or the insights you gained around how we sort of approach this or what's going on. Well, yep, Matt, totally understand what you're suggesting, and I think what came out after three years of working on the film was that Australia does need to build more affordable housing. Mm. So, you know, and I think when you're a documentary filmmaker. You, you know, I set out to make films that will make a difference to people's lives, mm -hmm. and there's no doubt I've made a tiny difference to the people in the film because, you know, they all talk about just being heard or acknowledged or, you know, they feel like that respected, and they, you know, they they that has been wonderful and and a fantastic sort of offshoot of making the film. But what we're trying to do now is and we're setting it up at the moment, is trying to get the film into Canberra, into Parliament, to do a screening in Parliament with the ministers who hold these portfolios, yeah. or, you know, mm. portfolios around mm. that area. Mm. And and so we've made tiny inroads, and so we're hopefully, depending on when the referendum is, you know, we will do it this year, if not early next year. That's interesting. That's the way, that's really the only way we can make change in this country, is that, you know, the Minister for Housing needs to actually go... You know, there's so much talk, as you know, yes. you're reading about it, you know, the billions of dollars, but that, you know, when you, yeah. again, when you look close at these things, it's apparently not going to make a difference at all. Mm. So, um, yeah, no, we need to, we need to get in front of politicians. That's what we feel now. That's what we're really trying hard to do. And that's fantastic, and actually, I mean, that's, at a, I guess, at a national level, but I guess, is it encouraging that somebody, even at a local level, local government is trying to do something? I mean, I know the city of Burundown, I think the, some other um, municipalities, uh, they, they do have, like, housing offices and, and that sort of thing, and, and this film has been shown at some of these places too. Is that right, during this week? Yeah, I think you're right. There's a lot, because, you know, it's on a lot of local councils this week in particular have yes. really picked up, you know, that's great. and that... All of that, of course, is wonderful, but I still think what I've learned is it has to be, has to come from the top. Yes. It has seriously mm. big change. Of course, we need all these support systems and yes. councils, and yes, everybody needs, we all need to be helping out. Yes. But if 
government, you know, if the federal government makes a change and actually commits more money, or as you said earlier in the thing about not being a sexy portfolio, that's what people <laughs> yeah. say. Apparently nobody wants housing because of... <laughs> you know, the, yeah, it's not Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's yeah. very true. But yeah, as I say, well, it's, it's, it, you're making obviously you're making some inroads and getting some attention. So uh, yeah, I'm trying. I'm yeah. really trying. <laughs> <laughs> and look, I, the film is, is yeah, itself is, 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 is being a tool, which is amazing. And what is weird is no matter how famous Margot Robbie is, a lot of people now watching the film even without. They don't even think about that. Oh, really? Yeah. It's yeah. a matter of bonus yeah. anyway. But then you hear her voice and you go, hang on, that's what it's Yes, <laughs> exactly. But as we were saying too earlier, um, without a stable home base, uh, you know, your, your life just, as I said, can spiral yeah. out of control. And when you yeah. think about the long term, I know it's hard for a lot of governments to think about long term, but mm. you're talking about people not drifting into crime, people not drifting into drug abuse, mm. people getting educated. Mm. I mean, as this well, the list goes on and on. If you don't have a, a stable uh, roof over your head, I mean, everything else can be just go to hell, can't it? Well, you can't get a job. Exactly. Yeah. And so they say, well, you've got to get a job to get a house. You've got to get a house to get a job. That's you know, right. It's like it's, mm. oh. Very complicated. It is. It is. You need, then you need yeah. that to then apply for Medicare, and then you need that for government yeah. funding. Exactly. And just yeah. let us go exactly. yeah. 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 So, um, no, we have to take care of each other in this country. Very important. We do. Absolutely, Sue. Yeah, we do. So, tell us again about where the... This this week, uh, down in our area, but I know it's in other areas. Yes. Six o'clock, the Lido. There's one in Kyneton. There's one at the North Shore Library on Thursday night. So, there's a few. You'd have to sort of Google it and look at it. Yes. And one point, Cook, I think there's some... Yeah. I've been looking it up, and it's getting a great lot of interest. So, it's fantastic. Well, because it was on iView, the one version but of course in true classic ABC fashion they took it off I know sometimes the decisions that are made anyway that's a whole other conversation good for you and you've got to as I say you have to keep buying it I might as well and you know, it, it, it really, that, if that film is not on Hamish Week, what film is on? Yeah, that's right. Can you tell us how long is, that, is the screening? Does, does it run for actually? Is that of interest? Well, the actual feature film goes for 90 minutes, but the ABC didn't want to show that, so they made it cut, cut it down to oh. 60 minutes. Oh. I'm not sure what all the councils are saying, oh, okay. but we give them the option they can screen whichever one they want. Right, I see. So the, the original version is 90 minutes of the feature length, but okay. there is the one hour if people want to find that. And you can find it on our website, you know, www.undercover.com. Right. For community screenings, that we have to charge for that because we don't own the film, somebody else owns That's it. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, not yeah. very much. No, yeah. the token sun, but I know it is a free screening down at uh, the Lido um, this, um, yeah. this Wednesday yeah, night. So get along yeah. to that. Exactly. Yeah. And people, as I say, um, might have their eyes open, they might be a bit shocked and confronted, but uh, maybe there's some ways that, um, as I say, people can come together with some ideas, as I say, even at a local level. I know, a, and, and, and um, there's a, there is a phone number which I might, might make a point of uh, mentioning, and if people are experiencing some issues with this, um, you can actually ring uh, the Brondale City Council on 9278-4326. This is um, um, the number for the Safer Communities Planner, homelessness. So that's nine two seven eight four three two six. So, you know, it's interesting to see. Maybe it's a sad sign of the times, but it's interesting to see that the, uh, some councils are trying to do their better as much as they can, I guess. Yeah, yeah. 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 the more we do, the better. Yeah, yeah. 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 exactly. Absolutely.
We really appreciate your work, Sue, and really appreciate you spending some time with us today. So thank you so much. And oh, good on you. I really thank you so much for having me and just wonderful that, you know, you're doing work like this and, you know, promoting little films like Undercover out there. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's vital work. And uh, can you tell us anything about some future plans quickly before we let you go? I know yes, that's that that my next documentary is called careless and it's about aged care oh, wonderful. Oh, wow. <laughs> right about that i know <laughs> just started yeah and, you know but we've got a tiny bit of um, development money from the state government so we're slowly on our way but yeah i'm excited i feel like i want to do what i've done with undercover all over again with aged care we're just saying it's aged care carers day i think today so <laughs> oh, yeah, so I thought yeah. it was very topical. Well, that's funny because I just had my mum assessed for aged care today. Oh, really? Oh, dear. <laughs> so, no, no, it was good. She's still going to be at home, so that's fine. Oh, that's great. Right. Well, unless you still yeah. got her anyway. Yes. That's <laughs> wonderful. I know, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we hope to catch up with you um, for, the, for that. Yeah, indeed. When, I make, mm. when that one's finished. Yeah, it goes for it. Yes, All the best with it, Sue. Thanks so much. All right, All right. Thanks, thanks so much, so much Sue. Thank you. See you. Bye. Bye. Back with you on Big Life Conversation. It is eight minutes to five. I hope you caught our conversation with Sue Thompson, award-winning filmmaker. Uh, it was a really interesting conversation and a very important documentary film she has made, Undercover. And if we go to the website, Nicole, you've just put up on our Facebook page, Big indeed. Life Conversation, it's... It is the... It was www undercoverdocumentary.com mm -hmm. so if you're looking for it you will find it there and you can watch it there thank you and well worth the watch I would imagine indeed and can I just also mention I want to thank the people at um, Documentary Australia who actually um, helped organise this interview and uh, um, also Mr um, Adam Farrington-Williams uh, who's a co-producer of the film uh, along with Sue who also directed and produced and wrote it so it's uh, been quite a quite a labour of love for many people so thanks one and all. Yeah absolutely. And we were talking off air earlier that we have uh, our friends, our friends at the shovel have um, <laughs> yes. a little gar comedy gala coming up mm. for those of you interested out there. At the end of the year they normally have a bit of a gala on all of their different posts and <laughs> happenings and the news and current affairs and have a bit of a satirical poke at those, at those. Um, <laughs> much at the all sides of, of politics all sides all sides yes everyone's fair game everyone left right and somewhere in the middle mm -hmm. everyone mm -hmm. even it's far good. out the left and right <laughs> as well so um, it's called The War on 2023 the annual comedy gala um, and uh, you can get tickets online at theshovel.com.au uh, but I thought I would share a little post from the shovel oh, yes. um, that I have changed the uh, heading with just for uh, common ears. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, this is called How to Turn the Sound Off Your Phone, <laughs> um, a self-help guide um, to those uh, people that just tend to not do this, mm. in, especially in public spaces. Yes. Um, how do you feel about uh, taking calls on trains? Ladies? Uh, no, but I don't want to hear. I don't know. Don't like it. I transport. Tra yes, no. I don't Not like when the speakers turned up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes you can have some quiet. People are so loud. Yeah, they're loud and self-indulgent. Video so call? 
Zoom video calls, yeah, no. Some doing yeah. a Teams and a Zoom session. Yeah, it's as well. No, not, okay. not appropriate, really. No. Uh, but if you, I used to like to sort of sit back on the train sometimes and just meditate, you know, close my eyes and just get it. Well, you can't when you're going, oh, what do you want me to pick up for dinner? Why exactly, blah, exactly. Blah, 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 so in the old case of an emergency, whatever. yes, we can understand it, but you keep That's it short okay. you keep it short. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And there are quiet carriages still, are there, supposedly? Um, no, 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 I think ah, there are the on the country trains. Ah, uh, yeah, yes. yes, yeah, which is yes. lovely. Great idea, but not on the metro. No, I, I think. think we almost needed a little bit like we had the crying rooms when I had my kids <laughs> and little, and you could go and watch a movie. But sometimes it'd That's be very right. uncomfortable <laughs> because you'd be in a room with a crying baby and several others sometimes. Yes, or getting more stressed. You'd be at a session that was sort of nine a.m. in the morning, and oh, you could yeah. go and just be expecting all sorts of noises. But this is um, a little uh, from the shovel satirical uh, comedy around how to turn off the sound off your phone, a self-help guide. Are you sitting on public transport watching a person video on full volume? They call them a, a something person. I won't <laughs> say what they are calling them. Um, maybe you're on a plane and you're watching a two-hour movie without headphones. Or perhaps you're on a packed train having a conversation with your daughter about her upcoming hysterectomy. And you've got your speakerphone on too. Whoops. Looks like you don't know how to use your phone. Um, don't worry. There are two very simple things you can do to use your phone like a normal human being who considers people around them. Option one, turn down the volume. Very no simple. Way. You probably haven't noticed it before, but your phone has a special built-in volume control that you can adjust yourself using your finger. Brilliant. That is stunning. <laughs> Our phones. <I'm> genius. <laughs> Our phones, the volume buttons are on the left side of your phone, on iPhones, on Samsung phones, on other brands, they're on the right-hand side. So take a moment to see where the phone volume button is on your phone. Volume buttons can be tricky to find, and there's a little <laughs> diagram there for you. Sigh. Once you've located the button, simply move your finger towards it, press it, making sure the little volume icon goes all the way down to zero. That's option one. Option two, Brilliant. use headphones. <laughs> Who would have thought oh. it? You might have seen other people around with little plugs in their ears or wearing larger padded devices over the top of their ears. <laughs> they are called headphones. <laughs> These brilliant devices allow users to hear the sound upcoming from their phones whilst those around them get this can't hear anything. <laughs> Amazing. This means you can still get the full enjoyment of the six second video you're playing on loop, but without being an absolute twat. Are <laughs> uh, headphones hard to find? Not at all. They're widely available in service stations, news agents, electronic stores, as well as on the internet. And now that you know what they are, you'll start to see them everywhere. Yay. Here, and there's a little photo demonstration of a woman demonstrating how to use earbuds. <laughs> So there you go. Two it's simple beautiful. options to consider next time you get your phone out in a public space because whilst you might think that other people want to hear your music or listen into your conversation, they don't. They don't. <laughs> okay, off you go. Oh, that's a wonderful <laughs> and very helpful article, Nicole. I mean, that's that's excellent. It's, it's instructional. It's, yeah. It's clear. Clear. It's clear. Groundbreaking, really. Very helpful. Mm -hmm. Very helpful. Well, look, I, yes, I applaud you for reading that to us all, and there's a little lesson in that for all of us, mm. I suppose. Right. And while we are on the shovel, one more article caught my eye. Mm. Um, we've been talking about the Commonwealth Games, or have we? I mean, 
mean, it's something that we... Or do we have to talk about the Commonwealth Games? Oopsie. A little take here from the shovel. Describing it as a refreshed and revitalised format for the 21st century, the Commonwealth Games Federation has confirmed that the 90-year-old sporting competition will be replaced by a two-week online event where potential host cities pull out of the bidding process one by one. (laughs) It will be a fortnight of drama, intrigue and unexpected twists and turns, Federation spokesman said. We'll begin the games with 20 or so cities on the starting line and then watch them fall away as they realise how bananas it is to be pumping money into a second-tier colonial sports carnival that should have been killed off 20 years ago. It'll be edge-of-the-seat stuff (laughs) for fans. We'll see participants blindside their opponents with absurd announcements about building international sporting complexes in places like Shepparton and Bendigo before realising they've miscalculated costs by $4 billion and sneakily pulling out at the last minute. We'll see cities in Canada blame cities in Australia for needing to cancel their bid. It'll be full of gold medal performances. Networks are currently bidding for the broadcasting rights for this exciting new event. And ha-ha, but hasn't it been bizarre? I know. We're toppling. Someone else is toppling. I think Mm. it's kind of interesting since uh, we've had our king in power. Maybe we're Thinking things, you know, rethinking oh, the, uh, yeah. the, um, the links to the, the, the monarch. <laughs> monarchy. Um, I don't know if that's that's part of it, but we do know that uh, whilst there's a whole lot of other economic crises happening, it does seem to be a little bit excessive. And I do, you know, I love sport, and I actually volunteered at our last Commonwealth Games in Melbourne. Okay. Um, yeah. and, you know, really adored it. We went to some events. It was but, great. You know. Part of me sort of thinking, we have existing <coughs> stadiums and mm, spaces. Yes. I don't understand why it has to be so extra glamorous that there needs to be new spaces and new and locations. extra expensive. And when we're just when talking we're about homelessness and yes. all these other things that people are crying out for. Yes. Waste. Mm. Yes, with, you exactly. know, build a stadium and then who's going to use it That's afterwards. Right. It is. I think it's excessive mm. in terms mm. of I know the country spend. towns were looking forward to that, but um, they were also looking forward to funding for yes. spaces yes. as well. Right. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Been a bit tricky, but yes, it is interesting that Canada has followed suit. Canada's like, you know mm. what? Um, they can do it. We can do it. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you. looking at those numbers, let's look at ours. Mm. Let's Oops. just get a quick little oh, announcement yes. out there because we can't afford it either. Small little financial crisis. Well, someone did suggest that um, the uh, the king, those of us who uh, those of us who might regard King that King Charles as or the, the monarch, um, could uh, dip into his considerable savings. Um, You'll have none of that, Barbara. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Perish the thought. Perish the thought from my generation ten times down the track that might need some dollars. (laughs) Dear man. But isn't it true? Possibly Birmingham is going to take it up again. Is that the suggestion? I heard about it. Mm -hmm. Look, I I think it is really an important time to reflect on all that, as we said, about the expense and everything. But what sort of stunned me a little bit about Victoria was it was some people were sort of commenting that perhaps it was 
an election promise that was not Ooh. necessarily something that Boston. we're going to sort of promise this, mm. but when we're really, you know, who knows what will happen down the track. Mm. But, but it was announced at that time mm, before was, the last election was. and then all of a sudden now the figures, but apparently the figures haven't been produced as to in terms mm. of the cost overruns. And so I don't know, but it's, it's not, I mean, in terms of public announcements and how it looks, it's not, a good PR sort of mm-hmm. exercise for, for the but, current government. But then again, would it have been worse yeah. to have actually gone ahead and, and botched it up? Because yeah. then, I mean, I don't know. It's a dandy to do, dandy to don't. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And we about homelessness. That's right. We're talking about education, health, and all these issues that desperately need some funding. So, with uh, all due respect, is, I'm, a, I'm a very, I'm keen on some aspects as well. I'm an AFL. I'm thinking about it particularly. My team, Carlton. I'll just rub it in again. One, <laughs> one again. You're so good as bulldogs. Brisbane Lions. I have to. I have to say there are some other things that really should take priority. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's right. Mm. Uh, you're absolutely right. And and they're not getting the um, the coverage and the priority that they really deserve and those issues are only getting worse so exactly uh but anyway lots of things to talk about it is four minutes past five here on big life conversation and uh, we'll be jo- our guests will be joining us very shortly very short the yeah. wonderful cuppy nambia from, from nambia hog family lawyers family lawyers yeah and we're going to be talking all things superannuation you may think that's a dry topic but i tell you what it's very important mm. and there's lots of good information yes that so. we are going to be sharing so stay with us that's coming right up say yes to heaven lovely little track there by lana del rey do you love Lana? Lana. Yes. It's beautiful, so it's really sort of cool and colourful. That echo that she has. Will you still love me when I'm no longer young and beautiful? Yes, <laughs> yes. yes. that's right. That's a good her. question, isn't like it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. A quick one for what gets up my nose or what makes my day. If I can mm. Please, mm. let's do it. What gets up my nose? Well, I'm sure I'm not the only person who feels this way. Wage theft. Employers who do not pay the correct amount of money. They're supposed to pay the employees who underpay them, in fact. And to top it off, don't pay superannuation. They have to yes. be chivied, threatened, yes. harassed by the government. I think it's a disgrace. I think it's appalling and uh, there's no excuse for it. Um, and what, what makes my day? Employers who actually take... Um, some care of the employees who appreciate the work that they do and uh, not only by, by paying them with great demands but being you know, going above and beyond and perhaps giving them extra bonuses uh, you know whatever it might be gifts whatever it might be or just being understanding if they're having difficult situations in their lives um, that, that's the that's one that makes my day you know Barbara uh, here here mm. and I, I, I second agree. it being an employer myself yes. mm. that whole uh, what I can't understand I heard about this this morning yes. and the, obviously there were larger larger corporations mm, I think um, but no, I don't understand no. or weren't they no, small companies small companies well. I have personal uh, really? with that's oh, the previous person well, oh, I was okay. working with it, oh, right. you know it is it, it's just it's inexcusable unbelievable to me that you could do that like yes it, it's it's Biggest belief, you shouldn't be an employer if you're not going to do the right thing. And for some people, I think what I heard today, some people were being paid like seven dollars an hour to do whatever their cleaning job was, whether it was a cleaning job or whatever it was, seven dollars an hour, and not paying superannuation. But I don't understand contracts and their contracts that still have to be loopholes, but not not even loopholes that are just like, oh, here's your your little wage that I'm, you know, giving you. Yes, and then the other pieces that oh, I forgot to put away that extra bit for super, and people that are not experienced in doing that, they're just sort of hiring and contracting help without 
really knowing the business rules, yes. which is really And, and it's our responsibility to know the business rules. And you shouldn't take on a business unless you do. Exactly. Like, the rules. And if you are having trouble, you explain things to your employees and, yeah. and try to work something out. That's right. But why is it that so really do hear about employees being overpaid? Funny about that. Never <laughs> hear it. Never <laughs> hear it. Let's, let's get that story. <laughs> if, if it was, it would be, let, when are you, let's a plan to pay that back and how are we exactly. going to pay that back? Yeah, exactly. that's right. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Thank you, Barbara. Thank really, you. really good one. Yeah, um, I like that one. Yeah. I mean, what gets up my nose was really the article that I talked about before with the shovel is uh, getting on public transport again and just having those <laughs> nice quiet times for myself while I'm listening with my earbuds in, but uh, mm. the person next to me is going... Yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, and at full pace volume, and everyone's listening in going, okay, do we really want to hear no, about no, Angie no. Sue's um, abscess being excised on, you know. Yeah, not really. So no, no, we do no, about that. no. So what makes my day is those that do are considerate yes. and put the earphones in and, and don't make the calls. Just put your, put your phone on silent whilst you're in public transport oh, enjoy oh. some music and yeah, just right. sit and, and, and you don't have to interact at every Second, That's just true. watch the world go by. Uh, for the new twelve minutes past five, stay with us. Our guest, Cuppy Nambia, is up next. We're talking all things superannuation. It's important, people. Back with you on Big Life Conversation, and uh, that was a lovely little track. The hardest part, Olivia Dean, and it is fifteen minutes past five. We are so fortunate to have a friend of the show, a regular guest, Cuppy Namia, is with us. Good afternoon, Cuppy. Good afternoon. How are you? Good, thank you. Lovely to talk to you again, Cuppy. We have missed you. We have. Oh, I've missed you too. It's so lovely to have all three of you together. Finally, thank you for your patience. It's been very good of you to to wait to finally um, uh, get back on the show. Yes. That's great. So thank you so much. Oh, no problem at all. Thank you for having me, as always. Now, tell us a bit about superannuation, can you please? Okay, well, um, superannuation is one of the things that, that maybe surprisingly, people get a bit hot under the collar about. Yes. There tends to be a bit of a shift from, I'm building this for our future, to my or mine. And I'm going mm-hmm. to earn the money and you shouldn't get any of my super. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I thought I'd give you a bit of information, just a bit about the backstory of yes. superannuation. Yes. Um, so back in the 80s, which of course we would all remember. Yes, um, vaguely. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, back then, super was usually limited to public servants and to white-collar employees of big corporations. Mm. Um, and it couldn't be transferred between different employers. But then in 1992, the superannuation guarantee came in, um, and that's where, the, at that time, the 3% mandatory contribution started, and employers had to make a contribution into a super fund for their employees. Mm-hmm. Um, however, that came in 1992. It wasn't until 2003, which is really relatively recent when you think about it, yeah. um, that provisions came into force under the Family Law Act, which allowed us to split superannuation when, uh, when couples separated, mm-hmm. um, and they could do that either by agreement or by court order. Mm-hmm. So before that, back when I first started practicing, um, it, it, what would happen quite commonly is that the income earner would keep the super because usually he had accumulated the super, mm-hmm. uh, and the other party, the homemaker and parent, would keep other assets such as the house. Mm-hmm. And, and so what that meant was one person had a lovely nest egg, 
it, but often have no cash or liquid assets, yes. um, and sometimes no house to live in. Mm. Um, and then the other party would have the liquid assets and no nest debt. Mm. Yes, yes. So that's changed now, and we are able to split super. Okay. Right. So we've been doing that for about 20 years now, actually, now that I've come to think of it. Mm. <laughs> um, so I guess the split is the the curious thing that probably probably gets debated. The devil in the detail, as they say. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And look, often it can be quite simple. So where um, so we, we treat super now like any other asset. The big difference, of course, being that we, we the term split um, refers to us moving super from one person's fund into somebody else's fund, into the other spouse's fund, so you can't actually cash it out and you can't access it until you retire. Okay. Um, so it goes from one fund to the other, but other than that, we treat it really like any other property. So we have to work out what it's worth and then we look at the pool all together and then we turn our minds to what's going to be a fair way to split the super. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and in there it's important to remember that you don't necessarily end up with a super split. The court doesn't have to suit to split super at all, um, and it doesn't have to split equally either. So often people think that that's the default, and, and in practice often it is split equally, yeah. but it's important to remember that that's not automatic. And so what, what are the things that play into that in terms of how it could play out, Kavi? Um, okay, so, so first of all, we we divide super in the way that we do um, a property settlement with any other assets. So we go through those steps, which um, which I think we've spoken about before, where we work out what are the assets, what are the liabilities, you know, what's everything worth, and then we look at how much each person has contributed, and that would be financial contribution as well as non-financial contribution. So, for example, where one party might have been the main earner and the mm. other party was the main parent and homemaker, those contributions would usually be considered same or mm. equal in value. And then we look at what the needs are, the future needs of each party. And so, and often there, looking at super can be an important consideration because if one party has progressed through the ranks of career and their earning of income, whereas the other party has been home with kids for a long time, their future needs might be greater. Yes. Um, and then we, have, then we sort of take a step back and have a look at overall what's being proposed to see whether it looks like it's going to be a fair division of everything. Mm-hmm. So um, in, in a long-term relationship where everybody's shared the assets and the finances, people will usually be equalised. So in that scenario where one party earned the income and the other party stayed at home and looked after the kids and they've been together a long time, usually the super will be split in half. And so what that might look like is let's say one party has $200,000 in their super fund at the end of the relationship and the other party has 100000 in theirs because they did work for part of the time before the kids came along or they did some work afterwards. So one's got 200000 one's got 100 We combine it all together, so we've got a total of 300 for that for that couple mm-hmm. and then obviously to equalise it each of them has to end up with 150 okay. so what we do is we split 50 from the first person who has the 200 and we pop it over into the fund of the second one who has 100 and then they both end up with 150 each ah. and so I imagine there's a whole lot of sort of intricacies on how you get funds out of super funds 
um, and and move Macross and lots of proof of what's going on for that to happen because we know how difficult it is to get funds out of superannuation schemes at the best of times or the worst yeah, of times yes. as it may be. Um, yeah. Is that something that the family lawyers would provide? Um, is that mm -hmm. how that works? Yes, yeah, so, so we need to value it. And for mm -hmm. most of us, for most Australians, we have industry funds, so, you know, legal super, Hester, rest, um, uh, host plus, care super. So when your super is in one of those industry funds, it's relatively simple to work out what it's worth because you ask the super fund and they give you a statement. Yep. Um, you know, normally you get one of those each year. Mm. You can access your own fund usually online and you can get a screenshot of what the current value is. Um, and you can get it through the MyGov portal, you know, which yes. is the, the ATO portal. Mm -hmm. yes. It becomes a bit trickier if there's a self-managed fund, for example, um, or if the party would set up their own fund, um, or if it's a defined benefit, if you're lucky enough to have one of those. I think there aren't, there aren't many people who still do have those, but if you have that kind of fund, it's not as simple as looking at the, at the member statement, and so then we have to um, get an actuarial calculation or evaluation by an expert who has experience in superannuation laws and they work it out for us. Mm. Um, but getting the access to the information can sometimes be difficult. Um, so since um, 2022, in family law proceedings, parties can now apply to the Federal Circuit and Family Court of Australia to ask for their former partner's super information, which is held by the ATO. So it's now a relatively straightforward process and it, you know, it gives greater transparency um, to the other party to work out what the other person's super is. Whereas before that, we would have to ask the other party to provide their information voluntarily and in good faith, or we'd have to issue a subpoena. So it was okay if you knew which fund the other person was in because it then wasn't too complicated to make inquiries with the fund and get the information. But if some, you know, sometimes people haven't consolidated their super and they might have bits and bobs in you know, three or four different funds. Yes, yes. And if they only tell you about one or two of them, and you're not aware of the others, unless you sit down and look at it and think, well, it doesn't seem to add up, they don't seem to have enough super for somebody who's worked for 20 years and earned roughly this amount, um, that it was easier to get away with not disclosing all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So we do have greater transparency now, which is a good thing. It is a good thing. If people who have separated and haven't considered that as part of their separation, can they go back retrospectively and go, oh, I forgot all about that superannuation fund that me or my partner may have had or has um, and and part of that could be available to me. Is Can that be done? Well, possibly. So if, if you've done a property settlement and you've got orders that have been made in court, usually the, the super would be considered at that time. Okay. But what, what we sometimes have is that people will come along and say, oh, we, we reached agreement, we didn't formalise it, we didn't have court orders yes. made, but we sold the house and we split the proceeds. But, yes. you know, it's, it's occurred to me now that, that he or she has super that I didn't make a claim on. And so if orders haven't been made and they don't have a formal property settlement, then yes, absolutely, you can then go back and look at some of those sorts of things, mm. yes. Mm. I was just thinking about uh, property in general because some people, and I, I'm thinking about my 
My father is a tradesperson, didn't actually have a super fund, but um, had a holiday house, for example, and said that that was his super fund. So, you know, when he retired, he would sell his property. Do you get that kind of scenario happening? Um, Sometimes, but, um, you know, typically most people have at least some super. Um, You know, most people who've been employed, because of the super guarantee and the compulsory contribution, nowadays most people have it. I think that would have been more common um, in days gone by. It is, yeah. Yeah. But generally, most people who've been employed at some point have a little bit of super. Yes, yes. Wow. Okay. So it could um, be an interesting process to formalise that, but we have more transparency about the amounts and that sort of thing as well. So, which is yeah, a good, right. good thing. Um, yeah. And so then, what is what is that um, effect of a superannuation split then? So, um, so once you've got an agreement or a court order, um, and I should say, um, it's important to note that the only way that you can super is if you've got a court order or you've got a binding financial agreement. Yes. So sometimes people will come to us and say, oh, look, we tried to sort out our super split between us, but the super fund said you have to have a court order or a binding financial agreement. Yes. And that's the only way that the super fund can legally split the super. Yes. So it doesn't mean you have to go to court, though. So you can have a court order, which is by agreement. So you can agree, you can have it drawn up, filed at court, and then the court makes the order as if the parties had attended court, um, or it might be at the end of the dispute where you have uh, you have a hearing and then a judge makes an order, um, and then the other way is by a binding financial agreement. So um, once you've got one of those, um, and one of the steps involved in that, in that is that you have to let the super, the, the trustee of the super fund know that you want to do the split, and you've got to give them a copy of the orders or the agreement that you're intending to rely on, and they're allowed a period of 28 days to object. And the reason for that is to make sure that because the super fund isn't a party to the proceedings, but they're being asked to, uh, to, to split super between the two parties, they have to have the opportunity to make sure that, um, that the orders that you're seeking meet all of their technical requirements and that they're able to give effect to them. So um, and it's usually not a problem. Um, and if they don't like the way you've drafted the orders, they'll ask you to make some changes and then and then you do that and then they'll approve the orders and they usually do that fairly quickly so within a few weeks so then once you've done that you then serve it on the trustee of the super fund and then they do all the work for you in terms of the actual splitting yes um so the super fund will do that and they'll send you a document for the person who's receiving the split to fill out their information so where do they want their split to go to because they might have their super in a different fund yes. or they might set up a new fund just for the purpose of getting the split um, and so they'll do that usually people have it popped into whatever the fund is that they've already got set up because that's simplest and cheapest mm. um, and then the super fund does the paperwork okay so there, there's I guess from a cost perspective it, the the main cost would be around getting that that order getting the the court yeah. order yeah that's yep. right it's, it's the legal fees in and, and importantly getting advice so to make sure that you know somebody if the other party is saying to you this is how we should split the super get advice to make sure that it is fair in all of the circumstances because um as i was saying earlier it's not necessarily going to be an equal split um, and then to have them drawn up, to have either an agreement or a court order drawn up. And look, it's not that common for people to do a super split just as a standalone thing. Mm. Um, that sort of tends to happen 
when they, they were the same before. They've done an informal settlement and then they've realised that they need a formal settlement to split the super. Usually it's part and parcel of the overall property settlement. Yes. Okay. Fascinating stuff and um, really interesting for those that might be separating and haven't thought about that um, mm. kind of hidden financial yeah. piece that sort of sits in the background that we sometimes can forget about. And yeah. um, I think I know a few people that might be thinking about that or thinking, actually, I didn't check that out. Or the, is it too expensive to go down that pathway and is it going to be worth my while as well? So, you know, I can understand um, bringing that to light so that people get an understanding of that. Yeah, all, yeah, all it's important to get as well. Find out whether it's worth pursuing um, and, um, and what's involved. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Kapi, for sharing all of that wonderful Font of knowledge, again, always bringing some really interesting topics and making it very easy for us to all, you know, chunk it down into small pieces for us to understand. But also, you know, there's um, many people out there who can benefit from that information as well. And seeking advice, um, you know, as we said, we always um, have the Dambia uh, Hogg family lawyers in with us um, once a month. And um, we have all your details on our Facebook page if people would like to find out more information. Where else could they go, Cuppy, for more information around this particular topic? They've been having a look at a really good source of information is the Federal Circuit Court and Family Court of Australia website. Okay. So if they just mm. pop that into Google and they get onto the site, it's reasonably easy to navigate and you can pop in superannuation as a search um, as a search word and then it will give you um, really very easy to follow fact sheets that you can follow um, about what's required and how to go about um, super, uh, super splitting but also lots of other aspects of family law. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks so much for the fabulous resources as well. Um, and as always, welcome. wonderful to hear you from you again. And uh, sorry it's been so long again. Um, looking forward to speaking with you next month as well on another fascinating topic. Um, thanks Thank again, Cuppy. Thanks, Paul. And uh, yes, yeah, look forward to talking to you next month. Great to speak with you, Cuppy. Thanks Thank a lot, Cuppy. Okay. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. And we are back with you on Big Life Conversation coming up to 25 to 6. We'll be with you right through till 6 o'clock tonight. And then, of course, we've got Primary Perspectives coming up after the 6 o'clock news. Uh, a big thank you to Kapi Nambia for that excellent summary of the key points we need to know about superannuation, an important topic and sometimes one I was just thinking during the song, guys, uh, that can be just too hard to dig into yourself it's like mm, I know. That's that's uh, but someone's confronting subject you just yeah right. ab absolutely um can i go to a little joke please do yes please i want you all to laugh all <laughs> 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 right, right okay so did you hear about the new restaurant called karma no, really? I did not. There's no menu. You get what you deserve. Thank you, thank you. Can I do one more? Yes, of course. Why did the chicken go to the seance? Why? To get to the other side. They're not bad. They're not bad. I thought I'd get some really short, sharp, quick yes, ones. Punchy, I like punchy. that. Punchy ones. Yeah. Um, this one's come from uh, the Morkola family. Um, <laughs> why, why couldn't the sunflower ride its bike? Don't know. It lost its petals. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> cute. Cute. <laughs> so I like the cute one. I do too. Lovely. Uh, thank you. Lovely. Yes. I saw one too. Courtesy of my dear departed uncle. Yes. Um, and he, he had some silly ones. One, actually, I can tell a couple of quick ones. What lies on the bottom of the ocean and burps? 
Oh. Crude oil. Oh, <laughs> nice. Like it. And the other one he used to love to tell the girls himself on his various social functions. Um, when is complaining to her friend, I'm getting a bit worried. I'm seeing spots before my eyes constantly. And her friend says, well, have you seen a doctor? And the friend says, no, I've only seen spots. Oh. <laughs> boom, Thank you. Lovely, ladies. Thank you so much. Yes. Yeah. I have a little smile to your face. I know. I've got a couple of longer ones that I might need to say. You know, there was usually the Englishman, the Irishman. Oh, yes. Uh, three uh, men, three in Australia. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, oh, yes. You've got to be careful these days. I only yes. to... Um, uh, I need a longer segment. Segment to go. I hope that no one will take offence. Um, well, maybe maybe not all the supporters will, but it's not. Well, I know chickens have taken offence to my joke. Exactly. No crude oil. No. <laughs> but <laughs> I always love to say, I can't support I'm allowed to laugh at this one. A guy, a pretty rough American guy, stumbles into a, um, a pub one night. He's just got one thong in his foot and walks up to the bar and says, you know, I have a pot, mate. And the bar says, so, mate, how'd you lose your thong? And the bloke says, I didn't lose it, I found it. Oh, <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> I love it. I'm here all week. Thank you. We'll be back next week with more jokes, you know. I'm, yes. I'm sure we're making a big impact on your day. Yeah. 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 We've got to take some risks every now and then, yeah. eh? Yeah, put it out there. Now, <laughs> speaking of risks, this isn't risky at all, but it's very important, Nicole. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's food time, isn't it? It is food it time. Is. Uh, fermented foods, in fact. Oh, uh, fermented food. Boosting our health. Yay. So I thought we'd dig into some fermented food benefits, if I can get my tongue around that. It's almost <laughs> a tongue, <laughs> tongue twister. twister. Um, we do know that fermented foods have been around and we've been enjoying them for about 10,000 years um, because it was a way that we preserved them a long time ago. Mm. Um, and it does add a lot of flavour as well. So things like like our rich dairy, like Greek yogurt, um, kefir, cheddar, Stilton cheeses, um, even the beautiful yeasty sourdoughs, oh, um, uh, yes. crunchy pickles. I'm a big fan of pickles and pickled onions. Me too. Pickled gherkins and <gasps> pickled gherkins. Pickled gherkins. I love pickled so ginger and pickled. Yeah, We're just being pickled. Just pickled. No, no. Sorry, <laughs> being pickled. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for me to do this. Yes, but it might be pickled. Um, mm. Okay. Um, tangy sauerkraut, spicy kimchi, and mm. some drinks like kombucha are fantastic and why they're fantastic is that they not only taste good but they are loaded with certain strains of what we call good gut bacteria and yeasts Um, and these happen naturally in some foods and others have the cultures added to them like the yogurts Um, even these foods help us balance our good and bad bacteria for our intestinal tract and can boost our overall health and well-being Um, and the science is still uncovering the multitude of strains there's more strains um, of bacteria than dna in the body so sometimes mm. they they reference um the study of this in that we are almost like um a bacteria with a human attached because um, there's so much bacteria. Um, so they can boost our um, immunity in a number of different ways um, and the results have been really promising in the studies that have been done so far. So the first one is about our gut reaction. So fermented foods really start our digestive system um, and our gut moving and it's the digestive system has been called the second brain yeah. um, because of its powerful influence on many aspects of our health, mood and behaviour 
even appetite and weight. Um, it even affects our immune system. So feeding it with fermented foods, which provides um, this good mix of a variety and diversity of bacteria in the gut, um, is known as the gut microbiome. So this is the environment that um, uh, these microbes live in in the gut. And this boosts our gut health and in turn all of our body functions that it supports. And one of the key things that we've found is that it's really good for blood sugar and keeping that in check. So it can help ward off some things like metabolic syndrome, which is oh. a whole set of um, metabolic disorders, cardiovascular, liver, um, type 2 diabetes. Um, mm -hmm. So knowing that we're having foods that are rich in probiotics can, uh, and having those regularly can really help build that diversity and that immunity. Um, we already have, if you've already got diabetes, we do find that eating things like yogurts and multiple strains of bacteria and yeast can actually help reduce the blood sugar levels as well as blood pressure and cholesterol. So that's a really nice benefit. Mm, um, it's also been shown to support people losing weight, so can help fight obesity, probably related to diabetes as well. So um, we do know that... Um, Two popular Korean foods, such as the beautiful kimchi, kimchi. which mm. um, is a bit of a, a winner in my house. We love that spicy chili. It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah, cabbage, um, yeah. the Napa cabbage, um, is known as a fantastic um, way to do that. Mm. Um, also good for, as I mentioned, the, the blood pressure um, as well. So some of the top choices there are things like fermented foods, soy foods in particular, mm. um, like miso. Um, having a miso soup a day can perhaps keep the doctor away in love some miso soups. Mm. I love it. I, I think when it. I sometimes go for a nori roll, I'll have miso, but you can buy the powder, yep. you can add veggies oh, yeah. to it, you can use it as a base yep. for a veggie broth if you don't do bone broth, which is mm. something I don't do, um, which I would recommend to others because it's <laughs> lots of minerals, but um, uh, a miso soup can be really great. Um, really great for warding off heart disease. So a study done in Finland found that people who ate um, low-fat fermented dairy um, with less than 3.5% fat <laughs> in this instance had a lower risk of people who ate other types of dairy um, uh, that were higher in fat, um, particularly Sweden and the Netherlands also found benefits from that as well. Um, so lots and lots and okay. lots of different benefits there as well. So um, I thought, you know, it would be good to sort of give you a little bit of a snapshot on some of these particular foods mm -hmm. that are known to be super, super helpful. Mm -hmm. and, and, and while we are thinking about that, yes. we need to just... Pause on it for one second and we'll be back with a snapshot of foods for good gut health. Good gut Is health, that absolutely. We can do that. Stay with us. We'll be back in about ooh, 10, 12 seconds. Back with you on Big Life Conversation. It is 16 minutes to 6. We're talking foods that are great for your gut. About, yeah, fermented foods. And in particular, these fermented foods have what's called um, good bacteria in it, like probiotics. And um, probiotics are um, these little microbes uh, that are both beneficial and some not so beneficial but we're talking about the beneficial kind um, and how beneficial they are to different conditions in the body as well but particularly the gut health 
Um, so the other way to add this into the gut is to supplement. So if you can't get the foods or you don't like any of those foods or you need a super boost or you need a particular strain for a particular condition, you can actually um, gain those through supplementing probiotics. And there's so many different strains, everything from this is going to sound very um foreign language to you all but everything from bacillus to lactobacillus to sarcomyces bulbardii what language are you speaking (laughs) (laughs) you're finding yoga i recognize some of those words lactobacillus remnosus is one that is really well studied acidophilus you would hear about it's all greek to me or latin there are many many different strains and (laughs) and species as well so generally speaking um what we do know is it's it's about the diversity in the gut not particularly one strain but if you have a particular condition some strains are known to help skin conditions for psoriasis for example or others are known for um, particularly uh, trebles diarrhea so the sarcomyces uh, bulvardii for example (laughs) others are known for um, helping with diabetes such as rhamnosis so so they all have different um, roles to play but having a diverse array of them in your gut means that Whatever you've been thrown to yourself or your yes. body, whatever has been thrown at you, you have the ability to have one or two strains, um, more change. than one, to mm. counteract that. So we can we can wipe them all out with antibiotics very, very yeah. easily. Yeah. There's a catch. And we need to put them back in, but not mm. everything will recolonize, which yes. is the tricky part. So diversity and inclusion is important. It, it is, is everywhere. As well as everywhere else. Exactly. And this so is what I'm getting from this conversation. They just need to play nicely together. <laughs> they do need to play, oh, don't we all? Exactly. Exactly. Sometimes you don't. I love it when people play nicely it's together. A <laughs> there's a message in that for all of us. There's a message in that yeah. for all of us. So there's, there's a couple of things that I want people to think about when they are just going to the supermarket or to the chemist and pulling something off the shelf and going, oh, that'll be good for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Can I just say, I've got a visualisation yes. of little microbes playing really nicely together. <laughs> And usually we would say that the, the nasty ones are the ones that produce methane and we know all know what methane <laughs> yeah, does what to the methane. Um, that causes bloating and inflammation and gas. Um, and global warming apparently. Well, all of the yeah. above. So we don't want too many friendships over there. <laughs> we don't want too many methane producers in the gut, but we do we don't mind the butyrate producers. And what is that? And that, is, that is more an anti inflammatory uh-huh. um, uh, process that happens with the um, more supportive anti-inflammatory uh-huh. strains. So I want you to think about when you're buying a probiotic supplement is think about the brand quality. So um, yes, there's a lot of talk in marketing around certain brands. Um, I would always say seek um, some support with that. So speak to a health professional who knows what brands don't have lots of fillers in them, yeah. um, have the right number of strains in them because you need what's called a CFU, colony forming unit. Mm. You actually need colony forming units of (laughs) at least... It says 5 to 10 billion here. I'd say 10 to 20 billion to have that mm-hmm. therapeutic effect. Um, so children would sort of have about um, maybe 5 to 10, um, 10 to 20 in adults, but it depends on the individual and the type of strain. Um, so often you can talk to your nutritionist or your health provider to look at what quantity and what strain to personalise what you need. Um 
survivability and strain diversity, as we just mentioned there. So strains that um, can um, ensure that other bacteria are able to colonise. So some of them are like partners together. So, you, for Aww. example, strains like Bacillus coagulans and Saccharomyces boulevardii. Good friends. Can be good friends, and, and they like to play together. They play nicely together, That's so they so help sweet. colonize each other on the same page. Yeah. Um, the other part of it is providing food for them, and so where do we get the food for our probiotics? We get them from prebiotics, and prebiotics are things that allow our bacteria to grow and feed and reproduce. Um, and these are usually things such as fibers in the diet. Mm -hmm. So we get this from all of our plant food. Um, we get this from some other fermented foods as well. Um, things such as flax seeds and chia seeds are really wonderful fibres for that as well. Um, but you do um, a lot of the um, plant-based fibres like uh, psyllium, uh, partially hydrolyzed guar gum. Um, if you need some more um, fibre in your diet, it's a really good way to get it. So um, plants, uh, plant-based foods are the food for our gut microbiome or food for thought <laughs> food for thought so um, keeping in mind that these probiotic rich foods should also be low in added sugar preservatives extra ingredients it's good to read the label so it's yes. not just a nice yogurt that's probiotic rich it also ha doesn't have any artificial colors mm, flavors that's it no, this has got an added caramel in it and this has got fruit and anything that's been added to a base yogurt or a greek yogurt they need preservatives in it to enable that to exist so um check out your labels get really good at uh reading your labels mm. as well um any um other little recipes to um get you going some of my favorites are the miso soup as i mentioned and adding your own extra mushies to that so careful yeah, the mushrooms, mushrooms yes <laughs> make sure you're getting them from a, a, don't get a reliable source a farm and share them with your friends and no. put them all off yes. no. supermarkets um, and other places not sure if that's too soon mm. <laughs> but mm. um and also you know just on the mushroom front if you're picking them you always strike them to see if they change color that is one of the key things if you've got a mushroom that looks like a very standard edible mm. um farm mushroom if you actually strike it and it turns slightly yellow it sounds like this is the ones that these people had yes. um it is not a mushroom to eat no it's a toadstool it's poisonous and as it's very, very poisonous a very unfortunate end but the moral story is basically when in doubt but throw it out don't touch it even yeah. yet i would no, 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 really think about it. no i wouldn't now we, yeah. we used to do that at farms mm -hmm. and just go and um pick and yeah. eat yeah. um however yet yeah, mm. too risky now well, but also important to note that we don't know we have no idea what's too, happened there. But in nature, usually um, an animal that's very brightly coloured red um, and also uh, in terms of uh, fungi, it's, it's often a warning that, that something is toxic yeah. and dangerous and can bite you or yeah. you ill if you consume it. So yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And some people are allergic to fungi. Yes. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. Another okay. good thing is um, kelp and um, Thai curry and you can get sort of um, noodles with that and kelp noodles are really great. Mm -hmm. um, 
kombucha is fantastic and uh, it's something that I make readily. I've got a, a little recipe yes, that I can talk mean. about later. Yeah, but cool. um, kombucha right. has been found very, very recently to reduce blood sugar levels in people with type 2 diabetes yes. ah. on a small pilot study recently. Um, but also super, super easy to make. Really yummy if you're a tea drinker like me. Um, a really cool way to have your tea, especially in warmer weather. Um, get your probiotics with it as well and you can you know, add soda water and fruits and, and make it kind of the drink of choice instead of, say, a sugary soft drink. Oh, right. yes. Stay away from those terrible things. Um, sounds wonderful, Nicole. And we're going to come back with some of our final thoughts and entertainment, uh, entertainment yeah, in just a moment. Please. Nine minutes to six. Back with you on Big Life's Conversation. We've got eight minutes to go and we're going to hear a little bit of entertainment updates. Barbara, thank yes, you. Yes, indeed. Um, just want to uh, let you know that I saw a very cute film recently and um, I'm, I've ruled... Well, I'm my bias, actually, no, I'm, I'm just um, uh, making a disclaimer here. It's directed by Thaddeus O'Sullivan. Well, no, I was But have you heard of a film called The Miracle Club? No. no. Well, anyway, it's going to run in some cinemas, um, and it's got a great cast, um, and it's set in Ireland in 1960. Uh, and now, Jacinda and I will be able to relate to a little bit of this because it's a story about a group of um, women who win a raffle to visit Lourdes. Now, for those of you who are not oh. familiar with uh, Lourdes, um, basically, um, going up Catholic Jacinda, so we know the Lourdes um, place in France um, where there's a stream, um, and apparently all these miracles um, are allegedly uh, have been performed by uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary. Uh, and the Blessed Virgin Mary allegedly appeared to three children at Fatima and one of them was Jacinta and that's why this Jacinta was I called Jacinta Mary oh, by yes. my mother who's good Irish Catholic. So it wasn't enough to have Jacinta, I had to have Mary after. So not for Jacinta. <laughs> Barbara <laughs> Mary. Just to push the point home. So anyway, this is a, this is a charming film anyway. Yep. Um, and Sorry about that, ladies. <laughs> a wonderful... Um, a wonderful um, cast, as I said. Uh, so there's just one dream for the women of uh, Balligar to taste freedom, to win a pilgrimage to the sacred French town of Lourdes with a little bit of an interference from their local priests. A group of close friends get their ticket of a lifetime. And it features Laura Linney in it, as well as... Um, I like her. Uh, as well as Kathy Bates. And, of course, oh. the, the wonderful Maggie Smith. Oh. Uh, so it's quite That's a nice charming. Yes. It's very, very charming. It's Stephen Rea um, as well. But what I liked about this from the part, obviously, the, uh, the tug of the heartstrings a bit with my um, Irish ancestry. Um, yeah. But it is a little film about um, how the women um, are such, well, as, as if we didn't know, the women are the backbone of the community, and when they go away, sometimes much of the annoyance um, of uh, their male partners and their husbands, um, they're, they're sort they of appreciated cope. a little bit more. Yes, the men, the men sort of think, you know, how, how can I do this, and how can I feed the baby, what's happening here, and how can I cook my meal, and I have to go shopping, and I should be sure, I should be sure. Anyway, I won't, I won't go on. But anyway, it's, 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 it's quite charming. Who is my food? Who is my exactly. dinner? Exactly. And how dare you go away and leave it to cover my own? Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's the old idea about you know absence makes the heart grow fonder. I mean, not go wander. But it's a, it's, a, it's a charming little tale. And I won't I give you uh, too well, much. Mc, much Nina O'Sullivan and McAuliffe clan. Yes, the uh, Irish clan. Irish uh, could uh, potentially go and see. That I think one. so. It's I think we should. It's rated PG, and it is. It's it's a comedy, but there's also a touch of drama, and and then it's an Irish story, so there's a touch of sadness in it too. But um, anyway, it's quite there's a charming stories. Do exactly. Yeah. Anyway, it's quite a beguiling little story and, uh, yeah, highly recommended. 
Thanks, Very good. Barbara. Where do we start to give that out of five? Yes. Three. I give that about three. three. Now, She's hard marker. As a chick flick, I don't like that expression, but no. I think that that's some um, open-minded men will will get something out of it too, and then will enjoy it as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, we know that. Um, and since screening very similar around town, we know that uh, of course that um, the Melbourne International Film Festival is upon us, and the yes. Film Festival. Yeah. yeah. With fantastic. They're films. all happening, oh, so uh, there's plenty going on. Going on. And just oh. that's a good reminder, Barbara, because we've got that information on our Facebook page from a couple of weeks ago as well. So if you're interested in uh, the Indian Film, Indian Film, Film Festival yes. as well, please go to our Facebook page and you'll yeah. see that information. It's just all there. Google it and yeah. you see you can stream. You can stream it. Yeah, it's beautiful. So so wonderful, wonderful stuff. Um, also, can I just quickly mention, before we've got time, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely. that uh, um, the Evan Salmon um, Still Life exhibition is finishing up uh, this Saturday at our friend Alexandra Sasse's gallery. Oh, so you know that, that can... It's um, wonderful. Yes, it, it, looks, it looks beautiful. I hope to get there. And um, don't forget um, that uh, even though, sadly, the uh, pre-Raphaelite exhibition that I was on at the Ballarat Gallery, which I went to see yesterday, that's last day, um, wonderful uh, collection of drawings and um, and paintings from the pre-Raphaelite that have come from the Australian um, uh, Museum at uh, Oxford University. But that might have finished, but stand by because uh, the second, uh, well, the, it runs every two years, so the, the, the international uh, Ballarat Photo Biennale is coming up um, at the end of the month, running until October, so we're worth checking out that, and I went up there a couple of years ago to see Linda McCartney's photographs. Yes, um, she did, I yeah, remember that. that yes. Yeah, um, yeah. so that's... Um, that was a really special exhibition, wasn't it? It was fantastic, because it was, yeah, and I believe yeah, that um, Sir Paul is heading our way again. He is, oh, he's, oh, he's, yes. he's <laughs> touring, he's going on the road. He's in Gemini, he said there's no stopping in, Gemini, he's so very young at heart. Yeah, very so young at heart, <laughs> and good for him. <laughs> Thank you, Barbara. Can I do a really quick little what's gets up my nose so I don't oh, feel left yeah, out? Yes. Huh? Um, so i tell you what it is. You know how we all have beliefs about life? Yes. And this is what I believe. This is what, and that's excellent. I love it. What I don't love is when people try and make me take on their beliefs because their belief is fact. Now, <laughs> beliefs are not fact. No. Beliefs are beliefs. And They're things that you, mm. you believe in. That's your opinion. So, and... Okay, and I'm going to say, give it an example here. Mm. Nothing against veganism, okay? Mm. Let me start this first. But, but um, someone recently, and, and they've done it before, was saying to me, have you become a vegan yet? Because that, that's their lifestyle and they believe that that is the right thing to do and mm. everybody must do it. Yes, now, I, I applaud veganism. I think it's wonderful. Um, but I'm more of a flexitarian and I love plant-based foods and I go for them. That's yes. wonderful. But I am a flexitarian. Mm. So that's just one example. So I think mm. it's wonderful for us to have our beliefs. Remember, they are our opinions. Yes, they are. Uh, they're not necessarily factual mm. and not necessarily everybody else has to follow them. In contrast, I do love people who go, live and let live. You do you and I'll do me and it will be good. That's at the end. That's, That's right. my little sermon about the that. The individual's approach is, you know, unique and we should do what's right for us. Yeah, mm. makes us all interesting, doesn't it? It does, mm -hmm. indeed, indeed. Can I have a quick shout-out about something else too? Yes. Happening um, this Sunday, the 30th of August, and a shout-out to our friend uh, Dr. Francis Devlin Glass, friend of the show. On Sunday, the 30th of August, from 10am to 4.30pm, you can uh, spend a day with James Joyce, actually looking at Dubliners, that use short stories, at the Board Community Hub, the Assembly Hall in Southbank, and to book, um, go to uh, the website, um, 
and uh, David James Joyce oh. Dubliners, and you can should be able to find that. And uh, Bloomsday in Melbourne, a very Bloomsday, very quick, awesome. um, wonderful experience at the Q Courthouse with Duxy Franklin and yes. Grand. Um, Baxter and his band uh, was wonderful, wonderful experience um, on Saturday night. Mm. I really enjoyed it. Excellent. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. I'm really glad you enjoyed that. Uh, Primary Perspectives is coming right your way. And After next week, week a couple of mystery guests. Guess. Mystery guests. Um, and have a great week, everybody. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. And Ciao. we will be back next week. See you later.